I don't I don't have you yet here. I'm yeah, there we are. <laughs> Get you in the middle of middle of my screen. Uh, Very good. Great. Mr. Fraser again. Okay. Thank you, honors. May it please the court, counsel. Good morning, your honors. RJ Zaid and Nick Bullard on behalf of Brett Dalkowicz. The sentencing court in this case made two uh, procedural errors that are unreasonable. The first error is the court failed to explain its reasons for rejecting Mr. Palkowicz's non-frivolous argument concerning uh, sentencing disparity and the nine comparator cases that he provided to the court. Simply, there was radio silence from the court. The court didn't explain itself at all. Specifically, honors, if you look at the sentencing transcript, uh, pages 45 to 48, the court uh, goes through the sentencing factors and identifies about 12 different reasons for the sentence. But I submit to the court all those 12 reasons apply with equal force, if not greater force, to every single Section 242 criminal case involving a police officer. And What's so, the best authority that a judge is required to reconcile a sentence with what you call comparator cases from around the country? I think that, well, the, I would say, I would argue that Rita, Wheeler, and Lucas compel that. Rita is a Supreme Court case. Yeah, I know said, Rita. What, what, what court are Wheeler and Lucas from? Our court? No, they're the Fourth Circuit and the Sixth Circuit, Your Honor. Those involve downward departures. And in fact, in one of them, I believe it was a Lucas, it was twice sent back down because the district court did not address why it rejected the arguments that the defendant made. And, and that's the problem we have here. Well, that's we, a different point, though. That's a different point, whether the court adequately addressed the arguments. But... You seem to be saying if some judge in North Carolina gives a sentence, then the judge in the Eighth Circuit is required to reconcile with what the judge in North Carolina did. Why would that be? Why is that the law? No, Your Honor, that, that, that's not exactly my, my argument is that if I make a non-frivolous argument as a defendant and I present it to the court for a downward departure, the court must address my arguments and explain to me why it's rejecting my arguments. I'm not saying it has to adopt. What's, what's your best what's your best Eighth Circuit case for that proposition? I would say my best Eighth Circuit case I I would go to uh, United States versus Lee, which was I believe authored by a member of the panel here. In that case the court acknowledged that Given the circumstances, based on Rita, given the circumstances, the court may have to provide an adequate explanation such that the defendant knows why he received a sentence, such that the public knows why that sentence was given, such a sentencing commission can understand that, and more importantly, such that this court can give meaningful appellate review. And that case involved a felon in possession, Your Honor, in which the arguments were based on um, uh, child abuse, diminished mental capacity. 
And the court now, there's, there's two separate points here, as I understand it. One is the adequacy of the explanation, and the other is your argument that there was an insufficient distinction between this case and what you call comparator cases. That's correct, John. All right. Well, the adequacy of the explanation, I think, is well settled in our circuit that it's required. I mean, that's in the statute. But is that is that all you're arguing, that the judge didn't give enough explanation for the sentence, or are you tying that to distinguishing comparators? I'm tying that to distinguishing comparators, because here, Your Honor, you had this case was prosecuted by the, the main Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, and the prosecutor himself who prosecuted this case stood before the court and told the court, Your Honor, this is very similar to the Boone case. In the Boone case, we gave the man a 63 sentence, and Your Honor, I believe here, given the mitigating factors in this case, that this man, Brett Balkovich, uh, uh, 60 sentences more than enough. That was a very detailed response. And this is the main justice. They prosecute these cases across the country. This prosecutor does it day in and day out for a living. And when what, if, what if the judge here said, I think Boone should have received more time? Well, that, 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 that's, that, it would be for the judge to tell us that. I would agree with Your Honor that that may be a, a sufficient explanation, saying, look. She's not bound by the Boone case. Not at all. Not at all, Your Honor. All, all I'm saying is... How can she uh, evaluate the Boone case if she doesn't have the Boone case before her? And it was brought up to her in our briefings to the court. And also, the actual prosecutor said, went into detail in explaining to said, Judge, we don't want to cherry pick. This case is most similar to here. And here's why. It involves an officer who shows up. The struggle is already ongoing. And this police officer, all 400 pounds of him, takes a running start, runs up to this person and kicks him smack in the face, knocking his teeth out and stuff like that. And he says, in that circumstance, that guy lied in his report, tried to uh, diminish what he did, and was not sorry for it. Contrary to Mr. Palkowicz, who has apologized, who in my experience is a heartfelt apology, and who's willing to make amends by going to police departments and explaining why it is that he did wrong in the crimes that he committed such that it doesn't happen again. Given those circumstances, Your Honor, I believe a 60-month sentence is due. Now, the, the, the sentencing court did not respond to that. Instead, the no, sentencing... No, no, counsel, no, that's not right. The sentencing court responded to the, the, the heartfelt apology and said, analyzed that at some, at some length about, about its apparent sincerity or insincerity and the lack and the the bragging after the fact, and so forth. There's a lot of explanation here. But all not, that not, not with not Not in terms of boom. No, that's fair enough. But every single explanation she gave applies to boom. Every single one. And in fact, boom never apologized. Boom you know, tried to diminish his conduct. Boom hurt somebody seriously. Boom betrayed his trust as a police officer. Boom... Uh, uh, this, uh, you know, made the community distrust things. Every single factor. The effects were not isolated and far-reaching. You put an innocent man in the hospital. You permanently scarred this person. Your actions have sown distrust in the community. Your general lack of remorse. Every single thing. Lack of compassion. 
bragging, showing no well-being, all that applies to Boone exactly. So what the court needed to do, and where it's plainly inadequate, the court needed to provide an explanation. You know, and as Judge Compton said, she could have said, you know, Boone was too light. All the cases you gave are not too light, are too light. This is a very serious sentence. I read those cases, I understand, but I don't go along with it. Here's my sentence, and here's the reasons why. That would have been an adequate uh, uh, case, and I would not be standing here before arguing plainly inadequate explanation. But, but the principle you're arguing for would, would expand sentencing proceedings dramatically. You would have defense counsel running around the running around the country by research, of course, looking for my boon. Not necessarily, and then serving it up and saying, "Judge, you have to explain why my comparison is you're rejecting." So we would have we would have a, a general statutory objective of reducing uh, of avoiding disparity turning into. A mandatory sentencing of a comparison sentence comparison of sentence any sentences defense counsel wanted to throw up. That that's uh, I respectfully disagree, Your Honor, and here's why. Well, that's what I that's what I hear you arguing. No, my argument is that as Rita indicated, and as this court says, you need to give sufficient explanation that shows that you heard, considered, and rejected for this reason. That's all that's required. No, we have to we have to have a sufficient explanation to have meaningful appellate review. That, that which, explanation, which does not which does not require whether the sentence given to a, a similar defendant in Maine six months ago was was has to be compared to this one. The explanation could be as simple as I disagree with that sentence. Here's my. Oh, but then you're having the district judges have to constantly criticize other district judges and say and give uh, opinions on cases that they didn't hear as to what a, an inmate should have been really serving as a sentence. Is that really where the law should go? No, Your Honor, but I think Mr. Palkowicz was entitled to know why he got sentenced harsher than Boone. But do you think it's implicit that the judge didn't agree with Boone? No, there's nothing in the record from page 45 to 48 to indicate what there's nothing in the record that shows a factor that exists in Mr. Palkovich's case that did not exist in Boone. Uh, my time is up, Your Honors. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Babazeda, I hope I came close. Good morning, Your Honors. It's Babazadeh. May it please the court, Natasha Babazadeh for the United States. This court should affirm the defendant's below guideline sentence. The district court did not commit procedural error sentencing the defendant to 72 months in prison, and that sentence was substantively reasonable. This court reviews a sentence for an abuse of discretion, and the district court has broad discretion in imposing its sentence. Turning first to procedural error, the defendant argues that the district court failed to consider the party's comparator cases and to adequately explain its sentence. Those arguments lack merit. The context of this court's review is the entire sentencing record, and that record demonstrates the court addressed the defendant's arguments, particularly the need to avoid unwarranted disparities, and provided an in-depth and thorough explanation for its sentence. 
The district court correctly calculated the guideline range and neither party objected to that. In setting this range, the Sentencing Commission already incorporates the need to avoid unwarranted disparities. The court explicitly acknowledged the defendant's sentencing brief and the joint sentencing agreement and made clear to both parties that it was not bound by that agreement. It heard parties from both arguments, including statements from the defendant and the victim in this case. It then considered the 3553A factors, explicitly mentioning the need to avoid unwarranted disparities and made clear that the sentence was appropriately tailored to the facts and circumstances of this case. The court then explicitly responded to the defendant's arguments and discussed the various aggravating and mitigating circumstances of this case to support its below guideline sentence. The defendant argues that the, the court was required to explicitly address the comparator cases and that is wrong. As this court has made clear, not every reasonable argument advanced by a defendant requires a specific rejoinder by the judge. And the defendant cites no case requiring a district court to explicitly address the comparator cases. That would be an unworkable burden for the district court judges as both Judge Loken and Judge Colton uh, referenced earlier. And the defendant, um, but the district court here did respond to the defendant's arguments for a lesser if sentence. Judge, if we did get into the Boone case, I thought Boone was sentenced within the guideline range to 63 months, if I understood that case right. Are you familiar with the particulars of Boone? Yes, Your Honor. The court there did sentence Boone to within the guideline range. So uh, there must have been something about this case that resulted in a higher guideline range. The court in Boone did not apply uh, the, uh, the enhancement for using... Um, a weapon. Uh, but it, if it would have, it would have been a higher or a similar guideline range. So that was a within guideline sentence, Your Honor, um, without taking into consideration that similar enhancement. And the court here imposed a below guideline sentence. Now, Boone was nine months less than the defendant's sentence here. First, the guidelines do not require district courts to impose identical sentences. Second, the defendant offers no case that requires the district court to impose, uh, that, that has found that nine months is a meaningful disparity. And third, even if this court finds that nine months is meaningful, the factual circumstances of this case justify a greater sentence. Uh, as the district court provided in, in the hearing uh, and explained the, the extent of the victim's injury here, uh, seven broken ribs and two collapsed lungs. As the victim testified at the hearing, he will never be able to lead a normal life again. Uh, he has to take 18 pills in order to ensure that his heart continues to work and that his lungs continue to work. Lastly, as we pointed out in our briefs, there are also other non-fatal 242 excessive force cases where a defendant received a higher sentence than Palkowicz did. Returning to the procedural, um, the arguments about procedural area honor, the district court here did, did explicitly address the defendant's argument. The, defendants, the defendant argued that his conduct amounted to a single isolated incident, and the district court explicitly responded to this and stated that even though it might have been an isolated incident, the impact was far-reaching, again, emphasizing the severity of the victim's injury in this case, that as a result of the defendant's conduct, other officers who attempted to speak out about that conduct and hold him accountable, they faced retaliation. 
and the defendant's conduct contributed to a distrust of police in the community. The defendant also represented that he accepted responsibility, that, that he was not going to appeal his conviction, that he had demonstrated remorse, and he provided his apology. The district court, again, explicitly responded to all of that. The, the district court relied on the evidence at trial, which established that there was a significant lack of remorse from the defendant, that the defendant bragged about his, his use of force and the injuries that he caused to the victims, and he misrepresented and downplayed that force in his police report. The district court also mentioned that the police chief testified that the defendant refused to admit he was wrong. Now here the district court welcomed the apology uh, and within her discretion doubted its sincerity. She, she, the district court uh, stated that it was unclear whether the defendant was apologizing for his misconduct or if he was apologizing for being accountable for being held accountable for his misconduct. The defendant also rep, uh, the defendant also offered letters of support, made representations about his exemplary life outside of his use of force, and the fact that he already experienced consequences as a result of his conviction. Again, the district court explicitly acknowledged all of this. It acknowledged the letters. It stated that it was grateful for them because it was evidence that it was he was more than his crime, and the district court uh, was mindful that the defendant had done many good things as well. And she noted the collateral causes as well. The district court took into consideration the defendant's arguments and explicitly addressed them while explaining the basis for its sentence. In doing so, the district court did not commit procedural error. The district court also did not abuse its discretion in its below guideline sentence, which is substantively reasonable for this case. This court has been clear and stated many times that where a district court has sentenced a defendant, Below the advisory guideline range, it is nearly inconceivable that the court abused its discretion in not varying downward further. That is largely because the guideline range already incorporates the need to avoid unwarranted disparities and affords district courts broad discretion in imposing its sentence. The district court here set forth in detail the various aggravating and mitigating circumstances of this case, and that justified a below guideline sentence that was still greater than the range set forth in the joint sentencing agreement, which again, the district court made clear and correctly so that it was not bound by. And despite the defendant's assertions to the contrary, the district court sentence does not create an unwarranted disparity among defendants. First, the district court did not abuse its discretion in not considering the majority of the cases the defendant offers on appeal that was not, that was not presented before the district court. And second, even looking at the 11 comparator cases the defendant offered below, they are not comparable and they are distinguishable. Uh, the, the defendant on appeal uh, states that there were only nine, but there was an additional two that were state convictions. Uh, but of the nine federal cases, two of them didn't even involve an uh, excessive force conviction. Two of them involved defendants whose sentences were vacated because they were too low, and those defendants have not been resentenced. That was uh, George and Dodovic. One, one, one defendant's sentence was vacated twice for being too low before the district court finally imposed a within-guideline sentence. Uh, two didn't have any factual similarities. One involved a car shooting and another involved an officer merely slapping the victim in the face resulting in minor injury. And one involved a within guideline sentence of 90 months for, for an officer that used a chokehold. 
that was, again, a within-guideline sentence much greater than the, the sentence here. The remaining case is Boone, which both parties agree is the most analogous case in which I addressed earlier. Uh, but at bottom, Your Honors, the district court considered the 3553A factors and discussed the reasons for its sentence at length, all of which support its below-guideline sentence of 72 months in prison. The district Counsel. court did not... Yes. Counsel, uh, the cases that you enumerated there, um, were all of them, uh, did all of them involve sentences imposed by a judge other than the district judge we have in this case? Uh, as far, I am not completely certain, but as far as I am aware, uh, many of them are out of circuit and out of district. And so, yes, I, I do think um, all of them were from a different district court judge, but I'm not completely certain. Uh, but the I'd prosecutor here recommended a term of 60 months at the sentencing hearing. Is that correct? I'm sorry, Your Honor. You cut out at the beginning. Is, was your question... I said, whether is, it, is it accurate that the prosecutor here compared this case to Boone and recommended 60 months as a term? Uh, yes, Your Honor, in the joint sentence, uh, in the joint, in, in the sentencing hearing. Initially, the prosecutor, uh, in his sentencing position, in his sentencing brief, recommended a, a sentence of 87 months on the bottom end of the guideline range uh, and offered Boone as well as several other case cases as a com, com, as comparator cases. But in, in response to the, uh, in order to bridge the gap because the defendant, uh, the defendant's counsel below offered uh, probation, argued for probation in the initial sentencing brief, uh, they, they came up with a joint sentencing agreement uh, where the defendant uh, agreed to apologize and offered to waive his ability to appeal his conviction. If there, are, I see that my time is up, Your Honors. If there are no further questions, the United States asks that this court affirm the defendant's below guideline sentence. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a rebuttal time? I'll give you a minute for for a bottle if you'd like, Mr. Fraser. <laughs> I think you're muted. Yeah. You're muted. <laughs> My apologies, Your Honor. Thank you. Very briefly, to address your concern, uh, Judge Loken, I would uh, turn your, ask you to uh, page six of our reply brief. We discussed 11 Circuit Court of Appeals that have vacated and remanded the sentences uh, for uh, failing to argue the disparity issue. In fact, seven circuits have applied the rule to vacate the sentence, whereas here the sentencing judge failed to address the defendant's material sentence disparity arguments. It's there on page six of our reply brief and footnote five. Finally, one point that I forgot to mention on uh, in my opening is that the judge also committed procedural errors in sentencing because the judge applied the sins of other officers to Mr. Palkovich. And then specifically, the prosecutor relies on it. The judge at sentencing said, quote, on page 47, it's not lost on me that the officers who had the courage to speak up against you and who attempted to hold you accountable for your actions, they faced retaliation. There was not one iota of evidence. I think this is, in the, this is in the brief and it goes beyond rebuttal. Yeah. Well, well, then, 
Thank you, Your Honor. I appreciate your time, and thank you for the extra time. Thank, thank you, Counsel. Case has been uh, well, well, well briefed and well argued, and we'll take it under advisement.